best player you don't know in college basketball is going to be worth a fistful of French fries. And that's Jalen Harris of Nevada. In his last four games, he has scored 30 or more points. What's up? Welcome to the premiere of Stuffed with John Rothstein. We'll be coming to you each and every week moving forward featuring the biggest names and the best players and coaches in college basketball. We'll also be sampling some of the best food around the world. And thanks and a major shout out to my guys at Doology. Gotta keep these away from me though right now. Five pounds could happen in an hour on this show. And speaking of all this food, let's check out the menu. And here is our menu coming up for today. We're going to start with a chat with Auburn's Bruce Pearl on the heels of the Tigers' massive overtime victory over LSU on Saturday. We're also going to take your Twitter questions in a segment we call Don't At Me, Bro. But in some ways, you are adding me if you send me questions on Twitter. Anyway, go with it. It's 2020. And if you're watching the show at home, have a drink. Who knows? You'll go outside. The buildings will look taller. My jokes will be funnier. Anyway, we transition then as well for a nice little nosh with Oregon's Peyton Pritchard as the Ducks get ready for a huge Pac-12 game on Thursday against Oregon. Pritchard playing better than any point guard in college basketball this season. We're also going to take some elevator pitches from fans around the country who don't yet have a Twitter one-liner for their favorite college basketball program. Xavier's Tyreek Jones will be our guest on the Hustlemania hotline. He's rebounding the ball as well as any big man in college basketball. And we will conclude with a bunch of late-night snacks that you can't get anywhere else in college basketball. But now, let's set the table in a New York Minute. First thing that's on my mind, a Spartan crossroads for Michigan State. Michigan State was the preseason number one team entering the 1920 campaign, but Michigan State is destined to enter the NCAA tournament with double-digit losses. The Spartans started this week with eight defeats, but for Michigan State fans, this should not be necessarily a worry. Remember, Michigan State made the Final Four in 2015 with double-digit defeats. Another big takeaway from the weekend, the treasure for the Seton Hall Pirates is the state of New York. If Seton Hall can continue on their current trajectory, they will be in line for a top seed in the East region. That means the first two rounds could be played in Albany and the Sweet 16 and regional final could be played at Madison Square Garden. And lastly, five-star frustrations. Five-star recruits right now are no longer necessarily transitioning into great college programs that will be teams that play in the NCAA tournament. Roughly 20% of last year's five-star recruits are now projected to be in a situation where they won't play in the 2020 NCAA tournament. Once again, returning personnel usurps incoming personnel in college basketball. All this basketball talk has got me hungry. Let me call up my guys at Cafe Luca and put an order in for some food. It's always on speed dial here. Best diner on the island of Manhattan or anywhere in the boroughs, but that matter. Hey, man, it's John. Yeah, can I get a bash salad, no olives, add salmon, add shrimp, mix in some avocado? And can you cut up the salad and mix in that balsamic vinaigrette dressing that I like so much? My man. And throw in a couple of cauliflower pizzas as well. All right, talk gin 20 to 30. Again, best diner on the Upper East Side of Manhattan or anywhere in the five boroughs. Cafe Luca on 71st and 1st. 
And coming up next on Stuff with John Rothstein. Now, wait a minute, we got a call coming in. It's Auburn's Bruce Pearl. Coach, we'll talk to you in a minute. And remember, this is only February. Welcome back to Stuff with John Rothstein. It's time now for our coach's call. Our next coach and our next guest led Auburn to the Final Four last year. The Tigers currently have a 21-2 record this season. He is Bruce Pearl. But, Coach, before we get to basketball, we have uncovered some real, real deep, intricate things about you personally, and it's been ignored by the national media for years. Is it true that you really order chicken parm and don't eat it the cheese? Is it true that I did what? That you eat chicken parm and you don't eat it with cheese? That's that's actually true. Yeah, I like uh, I do order both veal parmesan and chicken parmesan, no cheese. Well, we're going to get to that in a second. But in addition to having no cheese, and we don't think that Bruce Pearl hates fun because obviously we've seen you on the sidelines. Your perspiration during games has taken on a new life this season. It was extremely impressive in the overtime win a couple of weeks ago against Ole Miss. What have you done with the suit from that game? Well, the same thing I do with every suit that I sweat through, and that's just put it right back into circulation. I, I've got a pretty good account of the dry cleaners, and uh, fortunately, um, uh, I, I, I kind of sweat sweet, so it's, it, it doesn't stank. Um, it's not a good look. I, I get that. But, you know, when you're coaching and, and you're buttoned up and you got a tie on and, and you know, you're, you're getting after a little bit, I, I don't know why we coach in suits and ties. I'd much rather coach in a, in a sweatsuit, uh, a la George Raveling from back in the day, or, or like we do when we go to tournaments in the preseason, just slacks in a coaching shirt. But uh, I'm not much of a trendsetter other than the fact that I do sweat through my suits. Well, the perspiration is obviously the downside, especially when you're doing it in formal attire. But I got to tell you, you are a marketing person. You have done a great job marketing your entire career. We saw that, obviously, at Tennessee, at Milwaukee, and now at Auburn. I got to think that Old Spice and Auburn are a marriage that's a destination for March. I mean, you got to pull some strings there, BP. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's many. I don't know that I could sell many products other than maybe just Auburn basketball, because, uh, you know, my kids are worth the price of admission. You know, they're worth they're worth, worth watching because they play hard and they play together. Well, let's talk about your team right now, which is 21-2 and after an epic overtime win against LSU on Saturday. The most impressive thing to me is the way your team is performing in close games. 7-0 and in your last seven overtime games. How does that happen? You know, John, I, I really think it, it's about our depth um, and the fact that I try and play nine guys um, and we try not to have our best players, uh, you know, get into the high 30s and minutes so that when we do get into overtime periods and they're asked to play five more, uh, they've got a little bit more of the tank than than perhaps their opponent. Um, I, I think that's 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 probably number one. Um Number two would be having senior guards, you know, having Samir Dowdy and Javon McCormick who have kind of been there and done that. And, and uh, you know, uh, and, then, and then having a great player like Isaac Okoro who just makes so many plays, you know, with and without the ball. Um, I, I think our team uh, wants to make history. And we've respected opponents every single night. Um, and I think that's the way to, 
to beat the people on your schedule you're supposed to beat. We spoke a couple weeks ago and you told me that you don't think about going back to the Final Four because you knew with the state of college basketball this year that losses were coming. You had a couple of losses and since then you've had some unbelievable wins in comeback fashion. What do you know about your team now that you didn't know maybe a month ago? Well, I think adversity, it, it reveals character. And I think uh, we've been through enough adversity that our character has been revealed and our, our kids can play through deficits and being down and, you know, obviously not quit. Now, why are we getting down? You know, what could we be doing on both ends of the floor? I know we haven't played our best basketball yet. I've said it all year long that the teams with the best records in our league can lose to the teams with the worst records in our league. That's not to say the best teams will lose to the worst teams because I don't know which one they are. We're not as strong at the top. We're not as weak at the bottom. Um, you know, and obviously I think that's very much proved out. We have eight games left in the SEC. We could win them all. We could lose every one of them. That's just how balanced the league is. Well, it's now two programs in the SEC, Tennessee and Auburn, that you have taken to the top in less than two decades. As you evaluate yourself, how has the rebuild that you've done at Auburn compared to the rebuild that you did at Tennessee? You know, I mean – I think the formula is the, the same in the sense that you, you know, nobody should expect more from than 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 expect more from you than you expect from yourself. Um, I think that cultures need to be changed. I think it's almost a culture of compliance, a culture of discipline. Um, you know, we play fast and and we'll you know fly around a little bit, make some mistakes, but the trade-off is we're going to play hard, we're going to play together, we're going to have discipline off the floor. Um, you know, you, you you have to point to, you know, four straight years of perfect APR. That's the academic performance rating, which is hard to achieve to the discipline that carries on a training. And uh, Auburn's a pretty cool place. We're a small college town and the kids here grind. And so our players kind of plug into that, knowing that, you know, we don't have any McDonald's All-Americans. We've got to play against them every night. But we've got really good players that want to get better. And... Um, you know, you kind of put it all together. That's kind of what we did at Tennessee, and and that's what we're doing here at Auburn. Well, no, both and, places. And great staff. John, let me just say this. Really good kids that want to be coached and and great staff. I mean, I've, I've had great coaching staffs, great fathers, great husbands, great men, great teachers, people that I want to surround, you know, my kids with. And um, – that's, that's, I think, always been the case. Well, no, and that's obviously the mark of a successful program. So you've made Auburn basketball relevant. You eat chicken parmesan and you don't have cheese on it. You sweat through your suits. <laughs> this sounds like a movie. If your life turned into a movie, who plays Bruce Pearl? Man, I would love Adam Sandler to play <laughs> Bruce Pearl, but, man, I'm just, I'm not that funny. And, um, yeah, but. He, he would probably be my first choice. Final thing, and this is an important part of this show, as you know me, you've known me for a long time. Food is obviously always part of the equation. If Bruce Pearl could have one meal at one location, what would it be? Where would it be? You know, John, that's really hard uh, because I love ethnic foods. I love Chinese food. I love a wonderful, you know, Jewish delicatessen. I, I love Italian food or Mexican food, except for the cheese. So um, I don't pass on many meals. I, I moan when I eat. That's how good it is. 
Well, BP, you moan when you eat. I'm sure you moan when you coach as well. We've seen it. You're schwitzing left and right in every game. Good luck with your preparation for everything this week and look forward to staying connected as always along the way. John, it's it's great to get get together with you and I, I enjoy following you. I enjoy reading you. And uh, I hope we see you later on in March. You got it. That's Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl. This is Stuffed with John Rothstein. Time now for one of our social media portions of Stuff with John Rothstein. It's our segment called Don't At Me, Bro, where I take your questions and also food recommendations from Twitter. Let's see what you guys got this week. We are going to look right now. We're going to start with Dennis, and it's John. Will LaSalle rise from the ashes? And he's also recommending Ralph's Italian Restaurant. LaSalle is in great hands under Ashley Howard. I've known him for a very long time since he was an assistant at Drexel. It's a very difficult job, though for LaSalle fans, and they have to understand that. Ralph's Italian Restaurant I will take under advisement, but also keep in mind, this is going to be a process in rebuilding LaSalle. Still amazed that John Giannini got that program to the Sweet 16 in 2013. Next up from Ian, it's what's the likelihood of a three-bit Atlantic 10? Also, next time you're in Pittsburgh, you must go to the yard. Thank you for that recommendation, Ian. I think a three-bit Atlantic 10 is very much in the realm of possibility. Dayton is obviously a lock, and Rhode Island has made a major step forward with Fats Russell's emergence as a potential All-American candidate in the backcourt. VCU also on solid footing and has an early season victory over LSU. The Tigers continue to look like one of the best teams in the SEC, but if you were a team like VCU and you're in that first four in, last four out type of situation or last four in, last first four out type of situation when you look at the bubble, the thing you have to be concerned about is this. Because there's so much parity in college basketball this season, you have to remember that means there's a greater chance that teams who are not currently projected for the NCAA tournament could win a conference tournament during championship week, steal a bid, and knock somebody else out of the field. And then lastly, it's Jamie Gomez. And it's John, what needs to happen for San Diego State to surpass Gonzaga as the one seed in the West? Well, San Diego State has to win out, has to get to Selection Sunday with no losses because in the Mountain West Conference right now, the only other team that has any chance of getting an at-large bid for the NCAA tournament is Utah State. And San Diego State has already beaten Utah State twice, which means San Diego State can't afford a loss against a team that isn't projected in the field. And Gonzaga also has to be a team that would have to lose a game or two for San Diego State to jump in front and get the one seed in the West. Gonzaga was sensational last Saturday offensively against St. Mary's, one of the best offensive performances that we've seen this season. Gonzaga's got two games to me that we should put in bold print. At BYU, we're going to talk about that one a little bit later in the show. That's February 22nd. And then a dangerous game against Pepperdine on the road. Pepperdine, led by Lorenzo Romar, gave Gonzaga all it wanted earlier in the season in Spokane and have a hidden gem in Colby Ross. If you don't know about Colby Ross and you're not watching enough West Coast Conference late on Thursday and Saturday nights, you need to reevaluate your life. All right, that was Don't At Me Bro here on Stuff with John Rothstein. Thank you for your questions and recommendations. We will continue to get to them each and every week. Now it's dine time with Oregon's Peyton Pritchard. Lunch, tremendous. Thank you, as always. Cafe Luca, nothing but the best. Now it's dine time with Oregon's Peyton Pritchard here on Stuffed with John Rothstein. 
And we welcome in the best point guard in college basketball, Oregon's Peyton Pritchard, who has already played in the Final Four, has already been one of the best players in the history of Oregon's program. But Peyton, we have unearthed some interesting information about you. We have learned that you have a major really? affinity for romantic comedies. What was the genesis of this? Oh, I did. I definitely do. I mean, um, always watching uh, romantic movies with my mom kind of just um, kind of came with me, and I've always just loved romantic comedies and love stories. All right. Well, you're showing you're much more than a point guard and a great teammate. You also have a sensitive side. <laughs> we have picked out our ten best romantic comedies. We want you okay. to make a note if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, or if you plan to see it. So we're going to go down one by one. Notting Hill. I have not seen it. Notting Hill. Very good, I must say. Shout out to my fiance Alana, for turning me on to that movie. That was a fantastic movie. Cross-country trip. It'll get you through two and a half hours. Clueless with Alicia Silverstone. No, I haven't seen it. All right, you're 0 for 2. How, okay. <laughs> how about There's Something About Mary? I've uh, seen that. All right. Not, not a huge fan. Not a huge fan? Why not? I don't know. I just... It's been a while. That one was a long time ago, but I don't remember parts of it. But I just remember not being, like, the biggest fan of that one. All right, so you don't like uh, There's Something About Mary too much. Hopefully you don't go to Santiago, Chile twice in one year. All right, Love Actually. I like that one. Okay, you have to, especially especially around the holidays. Yeah. What about a little bit before your yeah. time, Sleepless in Seattle? have not seen that. All right, so you play at Oregon. You are a major face of prominence in the great Northwest, and you haven't seen Sleepless in Seattle. The next time oh, you have an off day, you have to watch this movie. Okay, I got you. All right, what about Hitch? Yes, definitely. Easy. Easy one. That's a great one. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Easy. That was a good one. That was a good one, yeah, absolutely. 10, yeah. ten Things I Hate About You. <sighs> what is that one about? I mean, it's a romantic comedy. I mean, you've seen one, you've seen them all. Come on, yeah. you're supposed to be the expert. Whoa. I'm trying to think of that one. I don't, I don't know. I might have to put a check mark All right. On that one. All right, then we're going to go to the original one, Harry Met Sally. Yeah, parts of that one. Just parts of it? Well, have we not seen the whole thing? Uh, I just, I haven't seen, it just didn't seem intriguing enough. Didn't seem intriguing enough. All right, well, you know, for somebody mm -hmm. who makes themselves out to be an expert on romantic comedies, you got some work to do. But lucky for you, <laughs> your work on the court has been exceptional since you obviously started at right, you know, in the first couple of games of your freshman year. How have you become such a better offensive player this year than your past couple of years at Oregon? Um, you know, I think I just my game has developed more and more, but kind of just – I think the confidence that coaches have me and, and the opportunity he's given me to just um, do what I'm capable of and kind of run this offense and uh, score baskets and make plays for my teammates. And um, I just kind of grown into more of a bigger role over each year. Well, anybody who scores points at a high level and plays for four years is going to score a number of points at a program like Oregon that plays at the pace that you play at. You still have a chance right now to potentially, if you play deep into the NCAA tournament, to hit the 2,000-point mark in your career. You're already on the Mount Rushmore of Oregon basketball when you think about your four-year career. What would it mean to you to potentially score 2,000 points in your career? Um, you know, I think that would be a great uh, accolade to have and, and just kind of just reaching that. Um, I don't know, even know where I'm at right now, but 
Uh, I think more about winning and making it far would be more, even if I scored here on out seven points a game. But if we're winning and doing what it takes to win, then um, that's ultimately what, what's more important to me. Well, obviously, great players value winning over individual production. You have obviously reiterated that by your statements right there. Your team has struggled away from Eugene the past couple of weeks. You lost games at Stanford and at Oregon State. How does Oregon over the last month of the season become a better basketball team away from home? Um, you know, we got to regroup. Um, obviously, we have to get healthy and, and get everybody on the same page. Uh, that's been a problem. We've had a lot of little injuries. Um, you know, we've been limited with our bigs, and then a lot of our guards like Chris and Will were, were hurt last game. So just getting everybody healthy will, will definitely make a, a big difference. And then just obviously getting on the same page of, like, knowing what we're running, um, know, people knowing their roles and what it's going to take to win. And I think that's why Coach Altman's always won in, in March and, and gone on to do grades because he, he gets people to buy in and, and understand what it's going to take. And by this time of the year, it's, it's not about individual. It's about uh, the team aspect and what each – and everybody can do to help the team win. Well, he won a lot of March, a lot in March last year, and obviously in 2017 as well. You were on that team that went to the Final Four and came awfully close to beating North Carolina. The Tar Heels got a late offensive rebound late in the game to seal it. As a competitor, yeah. as somebody who wants to obviously achieve the ultimate goals in sport, how much do you think back to that game? Mm, I think about it a lot. You're talking about the North Carolina game yep. still, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just, just how close we are. And, and, you know, coach mentions it a lot, just the little details of the game and obviously a boxing out moment and, um, that we wish we could have back. But I guess from that moment, you just kind of learn from it and just each possession in the game means, means so much and it can dictate a, a win or a loss. So just from that big moment, we kind of just took that and learned from it. Well, you mentioned details, details are obviously going to play a major role in your next game at home against Colorado, one of the top teams in the Pac-12. Your impressions of the Buffaloes as they get set to visit Eugene coming up here later in the week? Uh, they're, they're a tough team. I mean, they got a good guards and obviously good bigs with Tyler Bay inside. So, But for us, I mean, we're, we're looking forward to this matchup and just competing. Um, they're a game ahead of us, so um, we got them here at home and just ready to get after it. Well, you always seem to get after it when the game is on the line. You've made big shots throughout your career. You hit a number of them in a win a couple of weeks ago at Washington. And after you knocked down a long-distance shot, you pointed to your chest and you screamed, this is my city. What prompted that? Um, you know, I really think that goes back to, like, me being really young since, like, third grade. And um, there's a, definitely a rivalry between Seattle and Portland. Um, when you're growing up playing AU ball and, and guys you grew up with. so And I grew up with a lot of those those kids playing against them, and there's just always been that rivalry. And so, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of uh, talking during the game and with the fans and everything. So I guess when that happened, um, I guess I kind of just let that out and just – it is what it is at this point. Well, we got the bio down now, Peyton. Peyton Pritchard, big-time shot maker, best point guard in college basketball, somebody who's going to be on the Mount Rushmore of Oregon basketball players, but somebody who is yet to see when Harry met Sally from start to finish. So just so you know, nobody's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's perfect. I need, I'm going to have to check that off. You definitely will. Good luck with your preparation for Colorado. Best of luck, of course, throughout the rest of the season.
Thank you. Thank you for having me. You guys, Oregon point guard Peyton Pritchard. Thanks for dining with us on Stuff with John Rothstein. Let's listen to some elevator pitches right now from all your submissions to try and get some slogans around some programs in college basketball who don't have a tagline. North Carolina Tar Heels, one of the most storied programs in the history of college basketball, definitely needs a hashtag Weenie Rothstein one-liner. What's a pillar of the North Carolina Tar Heels? Rebounding. So, North Carolina Tar Heels... Tougher on the boards than a hurricane on plywood. North Carolina Tar Heels. More rebounds than your ex in Vegas. Mm. Whatever you want to do, but we need one. That's an A for effort. I don't think, though, that we are going to be having a North Carolina tagline with any of those sayings right now on Twitter. But an A for effort. Let's go next. This video is for John Rothstein. John, we need you. I'm outside Coleman Coliseum home of the University of Alabama men's basketball team. John, we need Rothstein to make a one-liner for Coach Nate Oates. Coach Oates has brought a blue-collar culture and mentality here to the university, even to the point where here at a game earlier this, this season, we gave out hard hats to students who came to the game. It's that sort of mentality, that sort of culture that's deserving of a Rothstein one-liner. Nate Oates, blue collar. We sleep in May. I appreciate the tag of we sleep in May. I appreciate your passion for Alabama basketball, but at the same time, Nate Oates, blue collar, is not moving the needle when we look at social media metrics. When he was at Buffalo, I had Buffalo basketball seek and destroy. But Nate Oates, my cousin Vinny, would have been better than Nate Oates, blue collar. Let's go to another one. Brad Underwood, Fist of Fury. Brad Underwood, Fist of Fury. You know, Illinois fans are quietly one of the more passionate fan bases in all of college basketball. Brad Underwood's done a great job at Illinois, just like he did Stephen F. Austin in Oklahoma State. I have folks here in the lab, right Dave, right Gaff, right Pat, in a situation where they're looking to obviously make a one-liner for Illinois, but you can't force these things. You can't do it. But one thing you can obviously force, food. All right, welcome back to Stuff with John Rossing. Let's check in now on the Hustle Mania hotline with one guy who's been slaying it on the boards, one of the best rebounders in the country, Xavier's Tyreek Jones. Tyreek, everybody eats three meals a day, but I have one question. Do you eat a side of glass with breakfast, lunch, and dinner? <laughs> I don't know if I eat glass for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but I'm trying to do what I need to do on a basketball court. <laughs> 18 rebounds in each of your last three games. How have you been so efficient on the backboards? In rebounds in each of your last three games, how have you been so efficient on the backboards? Um, just just trying to stay elusive, uh, trying to defeat blockouts. Um, just trying to get get an extra shot if it's on offense. Try to get an extra shot for the guys and for myself. And um, on defense, just trying to limit teams in one shot. You. You've done an unbelievable job changing your body since you've been at Xavier. What has it been like to go through the diet and nutrition process as compared to when you first arrived on campus? 
Well, we love to eat on this show, and it makes us all curious right now. If you could have one meal at one place, and it was your last meal, what would it be? Where would it be? Well, I don't know if it's any place. Anything my mother cooks for me, I'll, I'll be satisfied with that. Um, I just love my mother's cooking. Yeah, who? I don't, have a, I don't have one meal or one place to get you. Well, who doesn't? Well, Tyreek, keep up the good work. Good luck, obviously, coming up Wednesday night against Butler. Thank you. You got it. That's Xavier big man Tyreek Jones. 18 rebounds in each of his last three games. He's been on the Hustle Mania hotline on stuff with John Rothstein. Thanks to Tyreek Jones for joining the Hustle Mania hotline here on Stuff with John Rothstein. And now, since we just obviously hit the Hustle Mania hotline, time now to get some late-night snacks as we kind of try and take a taste of what's going on under the radar in college basketball. We start in what happened in Tucson, Arizona last Saturday night. UCLA's defensive performance held Arizona to its lowest field goal percentage in the history of the McHale Center. That is definitely something to take a bite out of. Meanwhile, save the date, February 22nd, Gonzaga and BYU in Provo. That is a matchup that could potentially keep Gonzaga off the one line in the NCAA tournament. BYU, one of my off-the-radar teams that could make a major move in March Madness, thanks to Yoli Childs on the interior and, hold on a second, I got to swallow, Jake Toulson and TJ Hawes on the perimeter. It will be an electric atmosphere on February 22nd in Provo. And lastly, the best player you don't know in college basketball is going to be worth a fistful of French fries. And that's Jalen Harris of Nevada. In his last four games, he has scored 30 or more points. Why am I pointing this out? San Diego State closes the regular season at Nevada. They will have to go through Jalen Harris if indeed they are to go undefeated. Thanks for watching Stuffed with John Rothstein. Tell your friends to subscribe. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and one thing you know, we'll eat. If you like this episode, give us a thumbs up. Click here to subscribe. All right, guys, that was an awesome episode. I remember the Beijing chicken at Philippe Chow. That's where I'm headed right now. Maybe a drink at the Four Seasons before we get a little loop before the A-10 tips off. That is what I call a Tuesday night. But what about Thursday night? We've got an upstart UCLA team fresh off that win against Arizona against C.J. Ellaby, the best player in the Pac-12 that nobody knows about as an 11 o'clock East Coast tip. Who needs sleep? We sleep in May.